Being said, you ready to get in the word this morning? Now, you're going to have to talk back to me this morning because I'm ready for this word, and I hope that you came ready as well. How many of you have an expectancy for this morning? Yeah. Now, now, that was nine of y'all, so I'm going to try this again. How many of y'all have an expectancy for this morning? Yeah. Now, I'm going to keep doing this till you raise your hand because I'm just an interactive pastor, and I like to see movement in the church. How many of you have an expectation, not for 2021, but for this morning of what God might do in your life? Now, here, here's the reason why, because we have expectations for football games. We have expectations for college teams. We, we didn't have great expectations for LSU this year. We, had great ex, we have great expectations for the Saints, even though there's not a running back in the backfield this morning. Uh, we, we have great expectations for everything else. We have great expectations to get from point A to point B. We have great expectations for Christmas presents under a tree. We have great expectations for money in the bank. But what about expectations that God will do exactly what he said he would do in his word in our lives. Amen. Now, see, this gets weird because you go, but pastor, and here's why there's lack of expectation on a Sunday morning is because we only know pieces of this and have not understood the fullness of this yet. We have not taken the time to find out what his word says. We grab micro promises out of the Bible because it sounds good and it feels good to our flesh rather than application of the fullness of the word, which gives us expectation in our bellies, which drives us into the next moment. It says, man, I can't wait to see what God has next. Here's the great part. When you finally step into the pace of understanding what God has next for you, you stop trying to be next. How many of you celebrated New Year's but still thought about what's next. You still had that wondering of what's going to happen next politically, racially, financially, with the pandemic, for my family, for my job, for me. How many of you had those thoughts of, of even after New Year's Day came and went or New Year's Eve came and went and everybody lit fireworks five feet from your front doorstep or, 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 or kept going like last night, we crawl into bed, we're boom. Okay, there goes another one. Okay, like how many of you have, have had thoughts of you, you still click the news back on and you still tried to find out what was happening and you still tried to find out where you fit and you still tried to find out what was going to take place next or who's going to be the president or... Who's going to be angry next? Who's going to get shot next? Oh my gosh, the pandemic, it's still happening. Duh. We, we got consumed with, with what was next and what was going to affect me next. Can, I, can we just be honest for a second? Can we just be real? Can we, I know we all want to talk like we're holy in here. We all want to act spiritual. We all, no, Pastor, when the new year came in, I lifted my hands to heaven and I just began to sing a worship song to the Father and I just waited on his presence. No, you were wondering what was happening to you next. And even since we rang in the new year, we've caught ourselves asking what will be different this year. And I think so many times we ask what's next with a hope that something will be different. The question usually comes once something doesn't go our way like, oh, what's next? Anybody ever asked that over the last nine months? Oh, What's next? I mean, come on. We, we, we celebrate a new year. My family and I, we went out of town for the week because now we have to have these weird vacations because they stripped away half of our vacation days because all of my kids are in school. And so we took advantage of the week off and we ran out of town. And on our way back, we stopped at a gas station. And, and, and I, those of you know, I got a new car and, and, and my nice Jeep. And, and it, 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 I like my Jeep. Amen. It's nice. I'm proud of it. I worked hard for it. 
and it's sitting back there, and, and I pull into a gas station, and my kids go inside to, to use the bathroom and to get a snack, and, and I'm out moving stuff around because, of course, the kids want to, Dad, I want to ride in the Jeep, and they don't want to ride in the Jeep. They wanna, so we're switching things around, and there's a car parked at Ram 1500. You know how big a truck that is, amen? And, and it's sitting in front of the Jeep, and, and all of a sudden I hear this, boom. What you just did was not my response. Unholiness was not, I did not lift my hands and say, Father, I worship you in this moment right now. I went, what? This is where I went, what's next? We just finished 2020. That was enough, excuse my French, hell in itself. Why can I not get three days into a new year without this? And I'm sitting there and I'm like, why couldn't you hit my wife's car? Okay, I didn't say that, amen. Because had that truck hit my wife's car, we wouldn't have made it home last night. So we, 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 we finished all that, and we're, we're getting in the car, and we're driving back because it's a Jeep, baby. They, those suckers crawl rocks. It took that Ram 1500 like a champ. The only thing that's messed up is the rubber bumper on the front, which means cool because I didn't get a new bumper out of the deal, amen. And, 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 so, and so I'm looking at this, I'm like, what? The, my Jeep is sitting in the Ram 1500 bumper, and I'm like, ha, ah. Amen. The Lord knew what he was doing, right? Had it been the van, the whole front end would have been gone because, <laughs> I mean, this tire squeal. Okay, so, so we get into space and I'm like, God, what, what, what is next? So I get in the car and I'm driving and, I've, and I finish talking to their insurance company and I call my wife and we start to talk about it. And she said, but babe, think about it. What did God save us from? Yeah. So many times we get caught in the negativity of what, what's next rather than seeing what God was doing in the next Okay, watch, watch, watch. It just happened to be that all of my family was inside of the gas station using the bathroom and getting snacks. They should have been in the cars or between cars. Got it? I was over at my wife's car. Nobody was in the Jeep. Nobody was hurt. It's a car. It's a car. My family is whole. It's a car. Cars can be replaced. Humans can't be. Amen. So then Tiffany Tiffany even said this. She said, but what, what did he save us from? Because what we don't know is, was there a wreck that we would have been involved in had that wreck not happened? Was there something that would have happened down the road that we couldn't see and God used this to stalemate us and to hold us here? And you go, but why would God use a wreck? Why couldn't he just put up traffic? I don't know. But here's the truth of it. Instead of going, uh, what's next? With expectation. Dude, what do you have next? Because when you finally shift the thought process, what you start to realize is that what's next is in his hands, not yours. We look at what is next as a possibility of something to go wrong rather than something going right. Our statement of next removes God from the equation and places fear, doubt, and worry on the throne. But this morning, as a new year, as we step into 2021, as we're marching into a brand new year, I need you to understand that what is next is bigger than you. Because most of us want to know what's next because we want to know what affects us. Because we are more consumed with what, where we get where, than, than where we are he gets. We're more consumed with what we get in this life rather than what he's able to accomplish through us in this life. We're more consumed about seeing, well, do I have what I want? Do I have what I need? Do I have what I want in my house? Do I have what I want in my car? Do I have all these great things? Or do we finally step into the place that God is more than enough and the next is in his hands and we find rest in the fact that he has the next thing in his hands? 
We have to remove next from our limited expectations and place it into his limitless possibilities. I'm going to say that one again because some of y'all missed that one. That was a big statement right there. We must remove next from our limited expectations because here's what we do. We think that next is like the grass that's greener on the other side. We think that if we could just get to next, we would finally arrive. Have you ever realized that next has not satisfied you yet? Because here's what you do. If I could just get the next car, but then that car doesn't satisfy, then you need the next car. Then you need the next car. Or if I could just get the four-bedroom, but you haven't handled the two-bedroom. But if I could just get the four-bedroom, which you couldn't keep clean the two-bedroom. But if I could just get the four-bedroom, then you get the four-bedroom, and then you're like, oh, I need the five-bedroom. Oh, I need the six-bedroom, and I need more space, and I need to look bigger, and I need to, or if I could just have more friends on social media, then everybody think I was cool. If I could just get, see, the next in our culture is about you. It's not about him. No wonder we haven't seen God do what he did in the word. We haven't seen the miracles take place that we know God's capable to do. We haven't seen the outpouring that we know he's able to pour out because we are so trapped in what's next for me that we have forgotten what's next in him. Let me, let me just say this to you as a sidebar. Political aside, racial aside, financial aside, pandemic aside. Do you think that God has forgotten? Do you think that God has quit? Do you think that he's asleep? Do you think that he's, he's, I love when people go, how can a God that is so much love let so many things happen in the world? Because the Bible says the heart of man is inherently wicked. Just because God is on the throne does not mean that he changes people. It's a choice to be changed. But we want to blame God because people are wicked, because people do wicked things. Well, why would he let it happen? Because it's the way the whole thing started. Why did he send Noah in the flood? Because man was wicked. Why? Why did he send Jesus? Because man was wicked. And out of his love, he wanted to redeem them and give them an opportunity to receive a Savior so that they could walk into eternity. But we are so caught up in, oh, God, what's next? In fact, we tune into the news to find out what our next is. Can I just say this to you? What if you turned the news off and tuned into your word to find what was next? Now, this is a book that was written before you breathed your first breath. This is a book that was written before you were ever thought of. This is a book that was laid out not only from the beginning, but to the end. There is no other book that is written, not any other religion that has written a book that started from the beginning and has a promise of a future. Not an end, it has a promise of a future. In other words, when the cover closes, life continues in him. Every other religion has a finality. In Christ, we don't have a finality. We have an eternity. But for some reason, we do not consult this any longer. We consult the television because it's instant gratification to our emotionless experiences. It is instant gratification to soothe the fears, the doubts, and the worries that we have placed as the gospel on the inside of us rather than grab a hold of this word that says fear is not of God. For I have not given you the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. We must remove the next from our limited expectations and place it into his limitless possibilities. What is next has nothing to do with your abilities. Mm. (laughs) Well, pastor, I I, I could really do this, and I think you need me. Mm. Ask yourself this question. Does the Lord have need of me? See, because sometimes people think that if I serve within the church, then I'm fulfilling. Mm -mm, Stop it. Stop it. Maybe you need to live your life first as a committed believer, then step into servanthood, rather than trying to serve your way into a committed believer space. 
Next has nothing to do with your abilities. Because if next has everything to do with your abilities, then it's in you and not in him. If what's happening next in your existence, in your world, in your culture, in your life, if what is next has everything to do with you, let me help you with something. You will never arrive at what is next because what is next will be limited because it is found in you. What is next must be found in him. It has nothing to do with your abilities, your prosperity, your abundance, your wants, or even your desires. What is next has everything to do with what he has planned to do for you, through you, and in you. Now, see, this is unpopular teaching because what you want me to do is stand up here and tell you how everything you want is going to happen this year. That's a lie. I'm tired of preachers standing on pulpits telling you all that foolishness. This is the year. This is, listen, last year they said 2020, the year of greater vision. Yet more people left the church in 2020 than the last five years combined. Did we get greater vision? No. Every year we come with some dumb cliche statement as if God has some new perspective. Uh-uh, he has one perspective. Love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you do those things, you can go. There's the mission. But what we do is we have to make some cute little statement every year to make you feel better about what you're going to get this year. What if I told you you ain't getting nothing this year? What if I told you that house, that car, that all that stuff you want isn't happening? What you're going to get is greater with him. What if I told you this was the year that you're going to see the glory of God manifest? What if I told you this was the year you're going to see the lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear? See, well, pastor, that's not enough. I need something in my bank account. I need something in my driveway. I need a bigger house. No, what you need is God because when you die, you can't take none of that junk with you. I just need, I just need love. I'm alone. Well, how about you find the heart of God and let the heart of God heal your heart so that when you find that one, it is the right one and you stop settling for the wrong one. What is next has nothing to do with your abilities, your prosperity, your abundance, your wants. I'm so tired of churches saying this is a year where your bank accounts are going to be filled. Let me tell you your bank accounts are going to fill when you stop spending like an idiot. There, there is some crazy revelation right there. Crazy revelation. Because the Bible says he's given you the power to obtain wealth. He doesn't give you money. He gives you the ideas and the thoughts to obtain it. But he'll only give those to you when you decide to be a good steward of what he's handed you. I'm going to tell you why you have lack. Because you stink in stewardship. Oh, you don't want to breathe that word in the church anymore. No, Pastor, I thought money's going to rain down from heaven if we shout loud enough. No, there is no such thing called the money dance in church. It just doesn't work that way. But my God shall supply all my needs according to what? His riches. In other words, if I'm not found in him, there's nothing there. Stop trying to fill up your stuff with you and put him in. What is next has everything to do with what he's planned for you to do through you and in you. The next thing that happens is going to be his best thing. So that was three of y'all. Now, I know I've preached harder than that over the last 15 minutes. <clears throat> See, because when I say the next best thing is his best thing, people don't amen that because it's not your best thing. Because we only amen what appeases mine. But we don't amen what appeases him. Here's the problem in the church. We call ourselves believers, but we don't live for him. We live for the blessings from him. We live in our existence of wake up, put a hand out. Wake up, put a hand out. God, what you going to give me today? God, what you going to give me today? How about if God just started giving you high fives every morning? There you go. There you go. 
There you go. God, that's not what I wanted. I'm just going to keep getting high fives because my success and my victory in your life, Brian, is enough. You don't need anything else from me. The fact that you woke up and breathed this morning, the fact that your family is in their right mind, the fact that your family wasn't in the car when that truck smashed into your Jeep last night, the fact that I'm still here and I'm still living and breathing in your existence, the fact that you didn't down an operating table last year, the fact that you're still here, the fact that you're declaring the kingdom. Is that not enough? High five. So many times where we have this, ha, ah, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Aren't you tired of the give me's yet? Let me help with something. If it's always a give me, then you're not satisfied in him. Thank you, Pastor Dylan. If you were in here last week, you missed it. The next best thing, the next thing will be his best thing, but you're gonna have to reposition yourself. See, boy, get quiet real quick. You mean it's gonna take work, Pastor? I don't want to work. Just, I just thought if I just came to church and, and listened to you preach, everything was going to work. Uh-uh, sorry. You're going to have to reposition yourself. In other words, where you've been standing can't be where you keep standing. If it didn't work here, quit standing here and waiting for it to happen. Move. You're going to have to recommit yourself. Hello. That, that's a tough one right there. I mean, I got to commit my thing, commit myself to the Lord, commit my idea. That's what the word says. You're going to have to apply yourself. Oh, here's a good one. You're going to have to be accountable. You're going to have to wipe the scales from your eyes so that you can begin to see clearly. Can I just say this to you? Can you please for just today, just try it today. If it doesn't work, then go back to your old ways. But wipe the scales of 2020 off your eyes so you can see clearly what what God wants for you in 2021. I'm tired of having the pandemic conversation. We know it exists. Hello. I'm tired. Listen, 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 listen. It has been a season of of great awakening. It has been a season of greater understanding. It has been a season of people stopping just existing, but finally loving one another, which we should have been doing the whole time because the word said to do it, but yet we ignored the word for the last 2,000 years. It says, love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Can I just say this real quick? I just got to say this real quick. We wouldn't have the, the racial stuff in our country and the fear of acceptance and tolerance and love if we would have just adhered to the word of God from the get-go? Had we just applied the word of God from the get-go, from the get-go, from, from the get-go. Don't tell me that we were a Christian nation. We weren't. Oh, did you just say that? Okay, here it comes, here it comes. No, because if slavery existed, then there's no Christianity, there's no believers. That They were people who wanted to claim God but didn't want to live for God. Because if you can have slavery, that means you can hurt people. And if you can hurt people, that means you can't love people. And if you can't love people, then there's no God in you because the love of God is God. So if you're okay with others hurting, then you don't have the operation of God operating in you. I'm not free till you're free. I'm not blessed till you're blessed. I'm not joyful until you're joyful. I'm not going to rest until we get there together, baby, because I'm not going to let you fall under. (sighs) Okay, sidebar. Sorry, that wasn't even in the notes. I'm sorry. You got to apply yourself. You got to commit yourself. You got to reposition yourself. You got to wipe the scales from your eyes because your next better be his next or you'll miss what's next. I'm going to get up to you one more time. Your next better be his next or you're going to miss what's next. 
because I have this real big thought in my head right now, and it's becoming something I'm just, listen, you, you can have every politician tell you it's going to be a cold, dark winter. You can have every politician say it's going to be the next worst thing, that we're going to go down before we go up. But I'm going to say this to you with, uh, without any reservation. I believe that those who commit themselves, reposition themselves, and stand in the fullness of God will not miss a beat. They will not go under. They will actually flourish. They will actually go above because God says, I will pick you up out of the midst of something that's dangerous and painful, and I will set you upon a high place, and I will keep that thing. I will raise up a standard against those who come against you. I will brace you for what's to come, and you will watch victory. But, but pastor, it, it's not going. Stop it. That's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to talk about all this stuff rather than the goodness and the faithfulness and the promises of God. He wants you to commit to pain rather than to the promise of the future that you have in him. Lift up your eye, you, O ye gates, and see who this king of glory is. The Lord God. Stop walking around with your head held down. Oh, God. Oh, my neighbor got corona. Oh, God. He's going to get. Stop. I'm the righteousness of God. See, here's the crazy part. Here's the crazy part. Pandemics only make you afraid if you're afraid of living. Let me help you with that. Let me help with that. Because this is the revelation God gave me last year. The only reason I was afraid of death is because I was afraid to live. Why, why can you say that? What, what do you mean by that? Because if you're afraid to die, then you think this is the finality of your existence. But the Bible says to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Death is not death. The Bible says Jesus, when he came and died on the cross, death was, the sting of death was taken at the cross. So why does death still have a sting in your existence? Because I don't have what I want. But maybe they got what they needed. Okay, that, 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 like I said, not even in the notes, I'm going to have to stop. Your next better be his next or you'll miss what is next. Do not look at 2021 to see how you're going to come up or finally arrive where you want to be. You've been doing that for the last 20 years. Come on, work with me. New Year's resolutions. Oh, this is the year I'm going to stop eating fast food for five weeks. Or when the 21 days of prayer and fasting are finally over. Yeah, that's when, that's, that's the moment, Pastor. I'm, I'm losing all this this year. This is the year I'm going to be slim and trim. Woo! Until you have that moment. And you're like, oh, out the window. I'll try again next year. Stop it. Don't look at 2021 to see how you're going to come up or finally arrive where you want to be. Ask yourself this question. Will 2021 be the year that God finally arrives where he has wanted to be in my life? Will I open the door for him to have complete control? Will my next be his next? If you haven't figured out the title of this message is next. What is next usually is usually looked at with a spirit of hopelessness or uncertainty of what tomorrow may bring. Many people in the Bible have wondered what is next. In fact, some of you right now probably wonder, what's pastor going to do next? But I believe that they had a better understanding in the word of this word next that took them to the promise God had in store for them. Next does not mean a hope or that there might be a chance, but it is defined as this. You ready for this? Next is defined as this. Immediately following in time, order, importance, etc. In position of proximity or near. 
Now watch this. What if I told you that your, if your next is in him, then now he becomes the thing that is of importance and the next thing in order in time in your next step? What if I told you that if your next is in him, he is now in the position or proximity to be right next to you rather than something you have to keep trying to find because you keep choosing your next over his? Next is not some pipe dream that might never happen, but rather an immediate response if we are ready to leave where we've been and embrace where God is taking us. Look at your neighbor. Oh, see, I want to see if you do it first. Some of y'all didn't look. Like, I ain't looking. I ain't looking. I don't like them. I ain't looking at them. I came with them, but I, ain't, I don't like them. Come on, look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor and say, next. Uh-uh, some of y'all didn't say it. Some of y'all didn't say it. You said it. I said it, and you went like this. You went. So let me try this again, interactive service. Look at him and say, next. Now listen, whatever happens in this year, I need you to get this word in your spirit. When things don't go your way, I just need you to open up your mouth and go, next. When you and your spouse aren't in agreement and you're like, look at him, next. When the money's not in the bank account and you can't seem to get where you want to get, look at him, next. Because here's the thing, what you're finally doing is saying, God, it might not be what I want, but I know you're here. And instead of me getting lost in what's happening right now, I'm going to get lost in where you're about to take me to. Instead of me getting lost in my struggle, I'm going to get lost in your promises. Instead of me getting lost in my stuckness, I'm going to get lost in your freedom and your liberty that you bring. So I'm going to grab a hold of you rather than grab a hold of me. Next! See, so many times we're going, next, next, or, or <laughs> next. But when you start acting like that, where's the boldness of Christ on the inside of you? Where is that righteous or bold as a lion statement? Where, where, rah. No, man, listen, I'm tired of church folks sound like this. There is no meowing in the Bible. I don't know if you've read your word. There is no meowing in the Bible. It refers to lions, not kitty cats. But the church isn't roaring anymore. The church is meowing out of pain because they are stuck where they are rather than stuck where he is and walking with him. We have left the next of him, and we've walked into the next of our own selves, and we wonder why we cannot get where he's calling us. Let me show you these familiar stories that I'm sure you're aware of. The first one we'll do is in the book of Mark, chapter 10. You get anything out of this yet? I hope you are. I hope you're getting pumped like I'm pumped. I hope you're ready to run in a few minutes because I... Mark, chapter 10. If if you got it, say, I got it. Some of y'all saying you got it because you looked at the screen. Amen. That's right. You still got it. Amen. The book of Mark, chapter 10, in verse 46, this is what it says. It says, then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. And when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, I, can, I, can I just clarify? Can I clarify this? Can I clarify this? I'm a contextual reader. In other words, I hear ebb and flows of volume when I read Scripture. Okay, and I don't know if you ever read this. I always teach people this. Pastor, I want to be able to, to, to really preach good. And this is what I always do to people. I hand them a Disney book and I tell them to read it to me. Because if you can read in character, you can understand Scripture a little bit better because you understand the placement of things. And so, so I'm reading this and where most people read it, they go, yeah, he, he, when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. You missed what he did. It says that blind Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was nearby And he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
Now, I'm going to say this to you real quick. I'm not saying that power is found in the volume of your mouth. But let me help you with something. The enemy came to quiet your shout. Okay. In verse 48, the disciples who were walking with Jesus told Bartimaeus, be quiet. Many people, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see and followed Jesus down the road. Let me give you your first statement of the next. In order to get to your next, you will have to be louder than the noise around you. You're going to have to become louder than the noise around you. Somebody, some people have t- problems. I, I, can I just be honest with you? I like it when we're in church and the Holy Spirit moves on somebody and they go, yes! It does something on the inside of me. <laughs> you go, Pastor, I don't like when people are loud. I had somebody leave the church one time. I, I love your church, but those people, they won't stop shouting in church. Well, what the heck are they supposed to do? That's why they sing this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Yeah, because they're stuck in something little rather than something big. How many of y'all know that when God's been good to you, something bubbles up on the inside of you? And it's something's got to, come on, when the Saints score, or if you're not a Saints fan, whatever football team you root for, can I just go there? Because if you start naming teams, people start making ugly faces at you on a Sunday morning. I don't want to do that. So whatever team you root for, when your team scores, you go like, Now, something creeps out, like, yeah! But when God moves, we go, um, we become awkward. What about when God does something powerful in your life? How about tomorrow morning when you wake up and there's breath in your body? (laughs) Freak your whole house out. Woo! What's wrong with that? I'm breathing! Here's why. Because here's what you're doing. You're literally shouting down any affirmity that wants to attack you because you've now declared the promises of God manifesting over your life. When was the last time you took waking up for granted? Uh Uh-oh, somebody say this morning. Because we have an expectation that tomorrow is promised, but the Bible says it's not. You're not promised tomorrow, so when you wake up in the morning, are you not excited that you're up? I get another day to be a dad to four crazy children. Yes, I love it. I get another day to have my wife look at me crazy sometimes. Yes, I love it. Why? Because that's what it is about. It's about how good God is. In order for you to get to your next, you're going to have to be louder than the noise around you. Stop complaining. Stop murmuring. Stop whining. Stop fussing. Shut up. I wish that God, I wish we could take scripture today and literally translate it to what God was saying a lot of times in the Bible. I guarantee you'd see the word shut up a lot. Hey, it's enough. Zip it. I've heard enough. You keep complaining. You're limiting me. Shut up. I don't know if God talks to you like that. He does to me. He doesn't go, shut thou mouth, Brian. He's like, hey, B, shut up. That's enough. I've heard enough out of you. I'm done. You keep talking like that, you're going to find out what it is to not have me. Shh, shut up. God, is God really that angry? No, he's not that angry. But you keep pushing his buttons, you're going to find out what it is to be without him. I'll never forget one day I was driving in my car and I was praying and I said, God, I want more of your spirit. The next day I felt what it was like to be completely godless for a whole day. God said, don't you ever ask me to be somewhere where I already am. 
I went, ooh. He said, the only reason you asked me for more of me is because you haven't been coming to see me. And I went, yes, sir. <laughs> that was one of those holy butt whippings that you just had to take and end up weeping in the car. Although there was no physical pain, there was a lot of emotional pain. Sometimes you're going to have to get louder than the room around you. Stop letting people talk about stuff that is contrary to the word. When, when, when I stepped out as a, I almost say this, when I stepped out as a, as a white pastor and began to deal with racial stuff in our community, because in Southeast Louisiana, racial stuff exists. If you don't think it does, you're crazy. It exists. And when I, as a white preacher, came out and said stuff, people were like, ooh, pastor's starting stuff. White folk going to leave his church. Can I just say what I, tell you, what I said? Bye. Because I don't need that funkiness in my house. Because I'm not okay till we're okay. I'm not free until we're free. I don't feel it until we feel it. And, man, I'm telling you, I had people talk to me like, man, you better be careful. Man, you better be careful what you say. You better be careful what you say. Show me what I said was contrary to the word, and then we'll talk. But I had to be louder than the volume in the room. I had a lady come back to church, like come to church last Sunday. A year, about two years ago, uh, I made a shirt. I made a shirt. I never went to print with it. I only made like 10 of them. And it said, you matter. And on the back, it said, to me. And I started wearing this shirt around the community just by myself. Well, these people started seeing it. And they're like, well, where'd you get that shirt? And I'll tell you why the reason I made it. I went to a Walmart one day. That was during a lot of, a lot of unrest uh, when cops were getting shot and all that stuff. And I, I walked into a Walmart and a young black lady was sitting at the register. And she's working at the register. And I'm walking up and she's looking at me like, and it, she's not against me. She's trying to find out where I'm at. Does this man love me or does he hate me? Where is he at? And I'm walking and I'm, I'm looking her dead in the face and I can see the pain and the hurt and the agony and the fear and the worry and the doubt and it's consuming her. It's eating her from the inside out. And I said, stop. I said, stop, stop, stop. What you're doing? Stop. She said, yes. I said, I need you to know before you ring up one more thing. You matter to me. If no one else tells you that today, I need you to know this before I walk out of the store. If no one breathes this to you, I need you to understand, your life matters to me. She started crying. Smile came on her face. I left the store. Ended up at a Wendy's. Don't judge me. I ended up at a Wendy's. <laughs> that night, get to the drive-thru. The same thing happens again. God says, see, I used you to be louder than the noise. That every See, because if you go quiet, fear creeps in. But when you're loud, fear runs. Let me prove it to you. When you're in war, they teach you as you're approaching the enemy to not go quietly, to scream at them. Because when you yell, it causes the enemy to freak out. They can't consciously think. And so they, they don't know what to run. It's all this noise happens. Read your Bible. When God wanted to do something big, he caused noise. <laughs> there might not have been any war, but they heard, they heard the sound of soldiers coming quickly. And so they, they ran away from it. And then they, the Israelites inherited all the plunder. That was left in the city. See, what I'm saying to you is, is that you've got to be louder than the noise. We can't accept what's being said. We have to be the voice of God in the middle of a thing. You got to declare the kingdom of God, not your opinions, not your emotions, not your thoughts, the word of God. You have to be louder than the rest of the noise outside of this building. Don't be loud in here. Oh, that's a good word. Don't, not just because Pastor Ben said that, but, but you, you got you to walk out of here and still go amen. You got to walk out of here and say, that's a good word. I'm going to use that word. Not, no, well, I'll wait till next Sunday and see what I get next Sunday. And I'll, I'll amen and be loud again on that Sunday. Yeah, God didn't bring you into this house to give me a good shout so you could feel good about yourself. He said, once you get in here, I need you to take out there. In order for you to get to your next, you'll have to be louder than the noise around you. Let me give you another one. Luke chapter 8, verse 43. 
Luke chapter 8, verse 43. It says this, as Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus said. Everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, no, someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. And when the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Here's your next statement of the next. In order to get to your next, you're going to have to push your way through. And I'm going to add something else to it. Push your way through what wants to stop you, but push deliberately. Don't push because you're in need. Push because you know who's in the middle of that room. Don't push because, see, because here's the thing. We will only push when we have a problem, but we won't push without a problem. That's the problem in the church today. We only pray when there's a problem. We only seek when there's a problem. We only fast when there's a problem. We only, ah, okay, I'm going to do all the things now because if I do all these things, God will move. What if I told you that he's not looking for a moment, he's looking for a lifestyle? See, you can't claim God on a Sunday, but then live like hell on a Monday through Saturday. And then come running back to God. God, I'm here again. God goes, I don't know you. You can't visit me. That's called visitation. They do that in jail. We, we, this is how we tend to live with God a lot of times. We have visitation hours with God. We, we go and visit him, and then we go back to our lives, and we go back and visit him. We go, God, if I keep playing this back and forth over the fence thing, God, you'll understand, and you'll know my heart, and you'll receive me into heaven. God goes, nope, I don't. I need commitment. Commit your ways to the Lord, not commit your Sundays to the Lord. Commit your Monday to God. Commit your Tuesday. God, when Friday hits and, and you're like, yay, it's Friday, don't go pick up the old sins of the past and keep walking in the fullness of what God has for you. In order for you to get to your next, you're going to have to push your way through what wants to stop you. Come on, work with me for a second. You ever had those moments where you say, I'm going to go pray, and your phone starts ringing? <laughs> and then you feel obligated to answer your stupid phone? As if the people that are on the other side of that phone have to talk to you right now? Which one's more important, your conversation with God or your conversation with man? Because I'm going to be honest with you. Every time I go to pray, my phone rings. Every time, without, without reservation, any time. If I come to this church and I come in here to pray, my phone stays in my office. You want to know why? Because I know the moment I come in to pray, the enemy wants to stop me from getting through. Come on, work with me for a second. How many of y'all said, yeah, I'm going to do this? I'm going to wake up on the mornings that I'm going to pray, but then you didn't go to bed early enough to get yourself up the next morning. You see what I'm saying? And you go, God, I'm, just, I'm so sorry. No, you're not. You stayed up late. You chose to stay up late. You knew you had to go to bed early to wake up that next morning. But you chose not to. And you, you, you blamed it on, on oh, God, you, you know my heart. No. At some point, you're going to have to push through. The things God's told me to do over the next 21 days, I am not excited about at all. But he said, Brian, what do you want more? You want more of me or you want more of you? What you want? You want me to have my way in your life or you want to have your way in your own life? You want this church to get bigger? You want this church to expand? You want to reach more people? Yes, God, then go do what I tell you to do for the next 21 days. But this is what he told me. If you slip off one day, ooh, you don't like that statement. Let me come to this side of the room. If you slip off one day, you will postpone what I promised you. So you have 21 days 
to do what I tell you to do, and you're going to be obedient every morning, even when it stinks, when that alarm clock goes off because I told you what time to set it, and when you set that alarm clock and it rings off and you want to hit that stupid snooze button because you just want five more minutes of sleep, I'm going to tell you this right now. Five more minutes will postpone what I promised you. I'm scared. <laughs> I'm nervous. Pastor, why, why is God so mean to you? He's not mean to me. He's trying to squeeze me into a space. He said, look, I've got all this stuff for you, but I need you to get in this alignment. And I'm going to need you to push your way through this mess. I'm going to need you to push past your flesh. You know, your sleepy flesh. You know, the one that wants to stay in bed because you think the bed's more comfortable than the presence of God. Uh, I need you to push past your moment, and I need you to find me in the morning. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added unto you. What are all these things? None of all those things are what you want. It's what he's already planned for you. And he says, I have the desire to give you the desires of your heart. You understand what that means? How many things does your heart desire? Not your flesh, your heart desire. I want better relationship with my kids over the next 21 days. I want better relationship. And i got a great relationship with my wife. I want a better relationship with my wife. I want to reach more people for the kingdom of God. I want to see this church go far beyond where it is right now. I want to see us do exceedingly abundantly above all. But here's what I understand. If I don't push through, it's not going to happen. Narrow is the gate. Narrow is the gate. But we keep thinking that wide is the gate. If we just get in a little bit of edge, we'll be good. No, 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 no. Squeeze it on in. Press your way through. In order to get what's next, you're going to have to push through what seems impossible. When you're worn out and tired and crying, worship, pray, seek, call on him. Do what you got to do. Don't be like, I'll get to it tomorrow. No, because you're missing out on what he wants to pour out on you right now. Tomorrow has enough for itself. Can you get what you got to get right now? Could you imagine the woman with the issue of blood had just ignored the fact that Jesus was coming by? If she had just committed to the fact that she was sick, if she had just committed to the fact that this is the way her life was going to be for the rest of her life and did not step out of that house, what would have been different? The Bible says that this story would be told for generations to come. And we're still telling this woman's story today, not because we want to talk about an issue of blood, but we want to talk about our excuses of getting to the Father. That if the issue of blood didn't stop her, what's stopping you? Time? Remember that you don't hold time, he does. What's holding you back? Your wants? Your flesh? Because I promise you, that's the only thing that's keeping you back. Your biggest enemy of keeping you back is you. And let me say this to you. Please stop blaming the devil. Can, can we just stop all that foolishness? That, that's just dumb to me. You, watch. How many believers are in the room? You're believers. You believe in God. You trust God. You live for God. Okay, you're good there, right? I'm a believer in Christ, right? Somebody else doesn't raise your hand. We'll have an altar call after service. I'm a believer in God. Come on, show me the hands again. Show me the hands again. So if you're a believer in God, does the enemy have authority in your life? He has. He's been robbed of authority. He's been robbed. So why do we keep introducing him back in? Here's what happens. You're going to have to step down in order to let him be the ruler of your life. You're going to have to let God step down in order for the enemy to be the ruler. Or you place God as the ruler and the enemy has to step back. So when we go, oh, the devil. The devil ain't doing nothing. You're just being lazy. Uh, okay, I know you don't like me now. Okay, in order to get to your next, you're going to have to push your way through. Can I give you two more real quick? Two more real quick. All right, 2 Samuel chapter 6. 2 Samuel chapter 6, and verse, starting in verse 20. 
I got two more for you. I promise we're going to get there. Amen. I hope you're getting some of this. I'm getting pumped as we go through this. Mm, this is the one I needed for this year. Here it comes. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 22, here, 20, verse 20 through 22. It says this, When David returned home to bless his own family, Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. She said and discussed how distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. David retorted to Michal, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father and all his family. He appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord, so I celebrate before the Lord. Yes, and I am willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. But those servant girls you mentioned will indeed think I'm distinguished. In order for you to get to your next, you're going to have to look foolish to the world around you for his sake. This is the tough one because this is where we have, this is where culture is so bent on identity in what everyone thinks about us rather than what he thinks about us. We are bent to what the neighbor thinks. So come on, work with me, social media enjoyment people. I got 400 friends. No, you don't have 400 stalkers. And maybe two of those are actually your friends who give a flip about who you are. Pastor, I got all kinds. I got friends from all over the world. No, they're hackers. They're hacking into your stuff. They found Facebook to get into your computer, and you wonder why your credit card got stolen. Here's the truth of it. At the end of the day, what are we doing? We are living for the acceptance of the world, not the acceptance of the Father. And we are laying down godly principles, laying down his word, laying down his purpose, laying down his plan so that the world can be appeased by who we are as individuals. David said, listen, you think what I'm doing is dumb. What you don't realize is that I was stripping off my kingly stuff down to the bare minimum of who I am. In other words, I was putting down my title. Because my title is not who's worshiping God. I am as David, not as king. I am coming to the king and leaving my kingship behind me. Can I just say this to you? Please stop bringing your spiritual maturity to worship the king. Stop bringing, well, I've been saved my whole life, and I've been doing this, and I've been doing that, and look how, look how great I am in the church, and look, God talks to me all the time. Put all of your position behind you and come to Christ as yourself. Leave, you'll have time to operate in the callings and the purposes of God. You'll have opportunity to operate in those titles or those things that God places over you. But be careful that you don't walk into the throne room of God thinking you're as big as God. Well, God, let me tell you how it's going to be. Uh-uh. No, no, no. God's like dismissed. Walk out. Don't do that. Don't, don't, don't do that. That's a bad idea. But this is how we approach God. God, God can you do this this way? Because if you did it this way, it'd be better for me. God goes, sure, I can. I can let that happen just for you. But don't come back into the throne room complaining when it's broken. Bringing me the broken piece. God, it didn't work. Because you didn't let me move. You let you move. So many times we approach, we approach God as if we've arrived. I love, can I just say this to you? And this might offend some people, and this might have even offend some of you in this room. I love when people come up to me as the pastor of this house and tell me how to pastor this house. I'm still perplexed by that one. Like, you weren't around when it was five of us. You weren't around when we were setting up in a theater every Sunday morning. 
You weren't, you weren't around when we had to move it to my house and move it over here and move it over there. And then I had the neighborhood threatening to kick us out of the house because we were breaking the tenants of our neighborhood. Yet they could throw keg parties with 7,500 people down the road. But I couldn't have church on a Sunday morning. I, I, you weren't there. You, you weren't there when I, was, when I was going through moments of wanting to throw in the towel. You weren't there when I was birthing this thing in a, in a two-bedroom apartment by myself up at night till 4 o'clock in the morning writing out things that God was laying in me. You weren't. No, you just accepting. You get to be a part of this thing. And I'm praising God that you're here. But doggone it. Just because you got it doesn't mean you are it. And I'm not even it. Because this has been my prayer for the last five years. God, if there's somebody better to pastor this house, bring them. Because I don't want to lead your sheep somewhere that I want to go. I want them to go where you want them to go. Most pastors will never pray that prayer because they will not only be born in their church, but they will die in their church. I'm going to be born in the things of God, and I'm going to die in the things of God, and I'm going to go wherever he tells me to go. And if that's not good enough for everybody else, I don't know what to tell you. My, my life is not yours. It's his. But for some reason, people, people want to come in with their, with their full religious thought, their full-grown mentality. Can I just say this to you? None of us are full-grown. Not the pastor, not my wife, not you. None of us. We are growing in the things of God. Stop acting as if you've arrived because you've served in a couple of ministries or led people to the Lord. That's what he told you to do. Duh. Well, look what I did. I led five. I, I, first of all, you did nothing. He did everything through you. You didn't lead anybody to the Lord. God used you to lead people to the Lord. He spoke through you and allowed you to be a vessel of his anointing and of his power and of his glory and of his might. Stop giving yourself credit for things you didn't do. You have no authority to heal the sick. You have no, that, that authority is in him that works through you. It is not you. For you are not God. You are his. David said, listen, I get it. You don't like what I'm doing. But if you don't like me now, you're not going to like me five minutes from now. Because I'm only going to get better at what I'm doing right now. Don't let the noise of the crowd around you quiet your worship down. If somebody moves, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. If you're in worship and you're, you're worshiping now, I'm going to use Pastor Troy as this analogy for just a second. We love Pastor Troy, but we all know Pastor Troy can't sing. Now, now there, there, listen to me. Listen to me. And I'm not picking on Pastor Troy. We talk about this all the time. This is a conversation we have all the time around here. If you ought to be around the building when he's vacuuming the carpets, that is a moment that you can never replace because he is in his own world. And every note that comes out is like just a hair outside of the note that it was supposed to be. And he knows he can't sing. Can I get an amen? But here's the thing. Here's how we define singing. It being appeasing to your ear. Have you ever noticed we've defined the ability to sing by what's appeasing to an ear? But we have not defined singing as what is appeasing to the Lord. You hear it and you go, ugh. But God hears and goes, that's my boy. Boy, he's using his breath this morning to do something crazy. He's looking at his angels going, y'all hear Troy? He sings better than y'all do. And y'all get to do it every day. He has to make a decision to do it. It's mandatory up here. But he's down there, and he's, he's back. Y'all watching this? God, he can't. Boy, you, you, because you don't have my ear. You, you don't hear like I hear. You, you don't. See, so I, I love Troy, and we joke about it, about how much he can't sing. But the truth be told is I love to hear him worship. Because what I don't hear is the singing. What I hear is the worship. 
and I'm hearing the worship come out of him. And the worship is not a song of notes. It is a song of declaration of who his king is in his existence. He is not worshiping so you can get satisfaction from his song. He is worshiping so that the father might see his satisfaction in him. David said, if you just give me five more minutes, I'm sure Pastor Troy is waiting for the day I want. Troy, I need you to come here and lead a song. He'll come running. You might go, oh, God, but God's going, that's my boy. Come on, you all know we all sound better in the shower, amen? We all sound better in the shower. I watched a video the other day. It said had a guy, and he's driving in his car. Because y'all know y'all are all concert material in your cars. You know what I'm talking about? You got the background. You singing, but the, the main vocal is kind of over your vocal. And you're like, boy, I hit that note. Man, you turn that radio off, you know you didn't hit that note. My wife was in the car. We were driving today, and she's like, she turned, oh, come on, some of y'all know, turned on Brian McKnight for a second. Brian McKnight hits a note that just not you. And I found myself in the car wanting to kind of try to, I got about halfway down. I went, nope, mm -mm, that's his note. I'm not touching it. Nope, not going to do it. That's, that was left for him. Let him have that one. I'm going to stay on my lane right here. But it, the truth is, at the end of the day, is, is that are you worshiping to the level of acceptance from the people around you? Or are you worshiping to the level of acceptance that your father sees you? Because if you're only worshiping to the level of the person standing next to you, then the person next to you might limit where God wants to take you. Sometimes you got to shake off who's around you, the naysayers. Okay, okay, I'm going to give you a really good one real quick. God, I got so many things. Jesus. Okay, so I'm, I'm loud. I'm, ah, I don't care. My wife's not that person. It's okay. Now, I'm watching this end of this last year. My wife has stepped up her game big time in this house. Like, she gets driven. She's like, I'm like, get him, baby. Go get him. Because it takes pressure off me. And I'm like, go, go. You want to pray? Go pray. But I remember when, when we were talking one afternoon, we, we were in the church, and I said, okay, I'm going to work this thing through you. So I went up in the sound booth, and I turned on a bunch of, like, worship music. I mean, it was punching. And she's like, what do you want me to do? I went, jump. Huh? Jump. Jump. And she's like, you know what I'm talking about? Like that. Okay, I jumped. Okay, I jumped. No, I said, no, jump. All of a sudden, she starts jumping. Okay, there's a little bit. I said, shout. Uh-uh. Shout. No, shout. Ah! Ever since that day, things started falling off. Here's why. We are limited because not only the people around us, but we're also limited by our own expectations And what others might have put on us in the past. Shh, you need to be quiet. Hey, I need you to stop telling me to be quiet because I'm only going to turn. Blind Bartimaeus yelled, and then the disciples who were walking with Jesus told him to shut up, and he got even louder. He's like, time out. Who are you? Oh, because you walk with Jesus. You think you're that cool? In fact, you're the ones who are not even going to be there when he gets crucified. So quit talking. Because Judas was in that crowd at that point. Peter was in that crowd, denied Jesus three times. But this man's sitting here wants a miracle, and now all of a sudden he's like, hey, that wasn't loud. Let me show you what's loud. And see all y'all going, Pastor, why are you yelling? Stop yelling. Maybe you need somebody to yell. Maybe you needed somebody to shake you up a little bit. So that you finally just can't get shook into this fullness of, whoo, the Bible says it's like fire shut up in my bones. How was the last time you felt fire? Well, when I lit a fire in my fireplace and put my hands by it, I felt the fire, Pastor. <laughs> 
No, I'm talking about the fire of God. I'm talking about it gets in you like, whoo, This is not something new. This is the book of Acts, Jack. This is New Testament. This is New Testament outpouring. This is not some old days of old foolishness. This is right here now in the present. But we've walked away from it because we would rather be like, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. When the Bible says that he is an all-consuming fire. Listen, let me help you something. It's January 3rd. That means there are 51 Sundays left in this year. I dare you to take the video from this Sunday and let's compare it by the end of this year and you see where I'm at. Because if you think I'm wild today, oh, baby, just sit back and watch. Because I don't care. Listen, people are going to come. People are going to go. God's going to bring the right ones in the house that need to be in the house so that we can march forward with what he's called us to do as a ministry and as a church in this city. I'm okay with what God's got planned. I'm not stressed out about it. I'm not strifing about it. I'm not freaked out about it. I am resting in the fact that he orchestrates and moves everything on my behalf. If, he can, if I can speak to a mountain, he can destroy mountains. Don't let the people around you stop you. You're going to have to look foolish to the world around you. Jesus did. Last one, Pastor Ben, come on. I'm sweating. I don't know about y'all. Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. We're going to go back to the beginning of the book. Genesis chapter 12. You get anything out of this yet? Good. Don't ask me what I preached about. Get the tape. Amen. Y'all know I'm old when I say get the tape. Amen. Genesis chapter 12, it says this. Then the Lord had said to Abraham or to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. In order for you to get your next, you're going to have to leave you behind. And embrace what he's calling you to do. Okay. You know the story about Abram when he leaves. The Bible says that Lot followed him. Got to a point where he wasn't, I'm paraphrasing here, he wasn't getting where God wanted him to be. He felt this pressure. And then God instructed him to disconnect from Lot. Lot was family. Listen, I'm going to say this to you. Sometimes family can slow your growth down. And it doesn't mean that you have to reject them. He didn't reject Lot. In fact, he blessed Lot. He gave Lot so much stuff to take care of him and his family. But he says, you can't go where God's calling me. Because had Lot stayed on Abram's tail, he would have inherited Abram's blessing and never inherited his own. God says, in order for you to get your next, you're going to have to not only leave you behind, but you might even have to separate from things that you think are supposed to be around you because they're, 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 they're causing a struggle for you getting to where I'm calling you. I'll never forget when, when, I, when I moved to Louisiana. So, so I, I worked for a mega church in Tampa, Florida for years, and then uh, I felt like it was time for me to leave, and, and, and all my family was in Central Florida, and, and uh, I just felt like it was time to go. But in order to leave, I had to leave everybody. I had to start by, I mean, I granted, I had my grandparents, my aunt and uncle here, but I had to leave my family behind, my siblings behind. That was a tough one for me. You don't know my story. I mean, I had gone to jail multiple times. I had made a bunch of mistakes, and, and, and I had burnt more bridges than I had built. And 
life was just crazy, but God says, I need you to leave. I need you to go. And I remember going to my pastor saying, Pastor, what do you think about this? And they were like, man, we think this is God. You need to take this on. And, and I, was still, I was still struggling with it, but I had no idea what was on the other side of my obedience. I had to disconnect myself from everything I thought in order to inherit everything he had. Not knowing that God would bring me here a year before Louisiana's biggest natural disaster. I moved to Louisiana a year later, Katrina, boom. I took a youth ministry from 20 kids to over 300 kids in a matter of nine, 10 months. Saw hundreds of teenagers' lives radically shifted every week. Saw drugs and guns come off the streets of New Orleans East. I mean, we saw all kinds of stuff. I mean, it was crazy stuff. And then, and then we're sitting in the midst of this, and then Katrina hits, and I'm like, God, seriously, you bring me from Tampa when a good thing, and you bring me here to bring me right in the middle of a, of a natural disaster? See, there was the next. <sighs> What's next? Lost everything. All of my belongings, well, no, all the stuff that was in my garage, gone. When I come back from, from being out of state because we ran away to Texas and we came back, when I came back, my front door was wide open and they were pillaging through all the apartments. And I'm like, God, what, what is going on? I, this... I end up sleeping on an air mattress on, my pa- on the pastor's house, his office floor, for like three months. God, what? Teenagers that we had, we, had, we had poured into and seen God do I mean, amazing things are scattered all across the United States. Everything gone. God, what's next? All of this, Brian, because I told you to be obedient. Because you were the one who sat in a car by yourself and said you would never have the blessings. And I just wanted to show you how big I am. I need you to pick up yourself and go and get your hair cut at this salon over here. Okay, I'll go. Meet my wife. Dated a year, if that. We're married within a year because we knew that fast that it was God. What nobody knows is that I had been at a conference right before Katrina, and a man, a pastor, had pulled me aside after after I'd preached on the platform, pulled me aside to the wall, literally (laughs) pinned me up against the wall. And he said, for three years you've prayed, three years you've waited, and now God says, I'm about to open up a blessing that you don't even know is coming, for I'm preparing for you a wife that you will find in a place that you did not expect. And when you see her, you will know it's her because immediately your spirit man will go, that's my wife. Now, she didn't know it yet. I knew it. Amen. She, God hadn't talked to her yet, but he was talking to me. Amen. Men, that's a good one for y'all single men. Amen. No, it's the Lord. God will do the rest. She just thought I had cute shoes or good shoes. Amen. But the truth is that God says, look, I brought you through this because I told you to leave. I didn't tell you how it was going to look. I just told you to go. And you answered the call. And you've walked through all these things, and now I'm about to bless you. Let me, let me say this to you. Do not get upset because it doesn't look the way you want it to look. Get excited because if it doesn't look the way you want it to look, it gives God more opportunity to show you the way he wants it to look. I didn't see my wife coming. I'll never forget when I, our first family engagement we went to, and I brought her because I was like, yeah, bro. Brought her in. My cousin looked at me and goes, bro, how did you pull that off? I said, the Lord. <laughs> Nothing but the Lord. Here's the truth of it. I never thought I'd have kids. Guys, y'all don't understand. 
just four years prior to me meeting Tiffany, I was homeless sleeping in my truck. Who's going to want this broken mess? But yet then God had a plan. And God and I had a deal. I made it with him when I was 27. I said, God, I want my first kid by the... No, I was 26. I said, God, I'm believing for my first kid before I'm 30. God, that's our agreement. He brings Judah four days before my 30th birthday. Tell me God's not moving. But I had to be obedient to what he said, not to what I wanted. Brian, I need you to go to New Orleans. God, what, what's there? I need you to go to New Orleans. I know you didn't see it coming, but I want you to go to New Orleans. And I want you to take over that youth ministry. And I want you to build something that I'm proud of. I want you to build a youth ministry that, of teenagers that run after me and run after the glory of God and are not willing to waver. I need you to build. Okay, God, I'll go do it. God, I, this is tough, man. Okay, God, I'll do it. I'll do it. This, this is not easy. Then a Katrina comes. God, we're having to pull stuff out of buildings that are, that everything's gone. I mean, this church is completely devastated. We, we got to start afresh, and, and now we're ministering in two campuses. And God, okay, God. And then at the same time, God, you're telling me to start a church. God, God, no, I'm good with the youth pastor thing. I'm cool with that. We can do the youth pastor thing. I don't need to be, but I need you to be a senior pastor. God, why me? Because I chose you. God, I don't know how. Yes, you do. Trust me. Go do it. God, I'm going to mess up. You probably will. But I got you. But you have to rest in me. And then people wanted to come behind me, and I had to, ah, you got to go your way. You got to go do your thing. I've learned over the years that people are for a season, and some people are for a lifetime. And either or, it's okay. Because God will move things the way He needs to move them. In order for you to get to your next, you'll have to leave you behind and embrace what he's calling you to do. Don't ever move based on a want. I'm going to say that again for everybody to hear. Don't ever move based on a want. Move based on his voice. I could have settled for something other than her but I would have been moving on what I wanted, not what he had in store. And this is what I always think about. If not her, then not him. Because without her, he never came into the picture. Without her, the little girl who visited me in prison in a dream at the age of three would have never come to a fruition in my daughter who's now almost 11, named Hope. I would have never seen the wild one we call love. Or my new semi-wild one, Asher. But I look back now and I go, man, where would my life have been if I'd have never said yes? Take my family out of the side of it. Watch this. Here's the great one for me. Here's another big one for me. You. We'd never be sitting in this room together, worshiping the same God, ready to grow in the things of God. Not because of me, but because I said yes to what he wanted. Watch this. He spoke to me before he spoke to you about this. I said yes, and then he said, hey, you, come to this. And you said yes. Baby, you put two yeses in the same room. Watch where any two are gathered together, agreeing upon one thing. It shall be done. 
I look at this moment and I go, God, what would my life be had I not said yes? Had I gone a different direction? Had I accepted opportunities different ways? Even back in my high school, college days, like had I accepted opportunities then or had I accepted this doorway here? Had I accepted after Katrina, I got offered a job in Honolulu, Hawaii to oversee a student ministries department at a mega church paying me money. And God said, I didn't tell you to leave. You park your butt right here. Out of all places, God, you want me to stay in Slidell, Louisiana? I told you to stay here. I got a plan. God, I don't care about your plan. Honolulu's calling. Brian, I got a plan for you. Didn't see her. Didn't see him. Didn't see the other three. Didn't see you. Just saw me. God says, leave you behind. Step in what I called you to do. Be obedient to that. Everything else will follow suit. My yes brought that yes, brought those yeses, brought this yes, so that we could do yes together, so that we could see the next thing in him. Everybody stand to your feet. Immediately after service, the altar team or the the staff will be up here to pray with you if you need prayer. And I want to encourage you that if you need prayer, come get prayer. Don't walk out the door and go, maybe I'll get it next week. No, bring your happy behind up here and receive prayer so that you can be free. Tired of people walking out of the church broken because they don't want prayer. Prayer is the best thing you can get. Okay. But I'm going to say this to you because it's how I want to close this. In order to get to your next, you're going to have to leave something behind. (laughs) So I have a sign of moving into the next before we close the service, before we move out of this moment. Can I just ask you to do something for me? If you're ready to leave you behind, I'm not talking about the pandemic. I'm not talking about 2020. I give two poops about any of that. I'm talking about leave you behind because you're ready to embrace what God has for you moving forward. Reposition, recommit, accountability, all those great things. Application of the word. If you're ready to see his best thing in your life, do me a favor all across this room. If you're ready to leave your now, step into his next. Will you do me a favor and just walk to the altar? Come on, squeeze in. It's family. Sound man, video, y'all all come. Love y'all, unless y'all want to stay back there. This is not a moment Ethan, come on. And I'm going to have you do something that's very uncomfortable in a minute. And I'm going to have so much fun doing it. Because everybody wants to come and be Solomon. Oh, Lord. It's not what this moment's about. It's about shaking off your past and leaping into your future. So when I count to three, I'm going to ask you to shout. That's why I don't shout. Well, try it. You might like it. But I'm not going to ask you to be like, ah, that's dumb. I'm going to ask you to shout next. But here's what you're going to do. That the moment you shout the word next, all hell's going to shake. And anything that the enemy has hold on you in is going to be loosed. Because he cannot handle where you're headed. Somebody going to catch that in a minute. The enemy cannot handle. He is petrified. Y'all know how bad the enemy is upset right now? How much he's afraid right now? Okay, watch. My car gets hit last night, yesterday evening. This morning, I'm getting the ba- I'm in the bathroom. I'm getting ready, and I step on a toy that's underneath a towel. 
and I take a fall, land on my knee on a piece of uneven ground and smack my head into the wall. God, what is next? Y'all feel me? I was like, come on, Lord, seriously. And Tim's like, come on, I'll help you. I'm like, nope, just give me, just give me a minute. Just hold on. And I remember thinking that moment, God, seriously, what? It, Brian, your greatest stumble will always come before your greatest breakthrough. And when you sometimes on a Sunday morning when you're getting ready to preach, you're questioning whether that word you're about to drop off is the right thing. It was almost like God going, I told you. I told you. I got you. Get up. Now, y'all don't understand. I've had back conditions. I have four degenerated discs in my spine. Pastor, don't speak that. No, it's literal. It's what I have. I have four degenerated discs in my spine from a football injury when I was younger. I have those pains. When I fell, I should have literally caused a muscle spasm in my back and I shouldn't be standing. Literally, I sat there and I went, come on, Jesus. All right. Got up and everything was fine. How many of you would have gone, oh God, if I fell, it's all going to fall apart. I'm going to die. No. I got up and said, hey, you gave me a mission. You gave me a mandate. I'm going to go forward and do it. Got up, finished getting ready, left, came to church. Pastor, are you really going to make us yell? Absolutely. Why? Because I'm tired of you being quiet. God didn't ask me to start a church for a bunch of quiet people. He said, I'm going to bring you the wild ones. The ones that are ready to go. But here, let me say this to you before we get into this. I want to caution you with this word. Because the moment you do this, you can no longer talk about what's behind you. Because the next will never exist if you live in the past. Forgetting those things which lie behind, I press on towards the mark of the high calling which is in Christ Jesus. It is not in Brian. It is not in this church. It is in him. So when I yell the word next, whatever I dealt with last year is done. Whatever I've got, whatever's behind me is behind me. Leave it behind you. Don't bring it up. Don't, I remember when you did this. I don't care. It's behind me. Remember that Sunday we all yelled next? If you want to bring it up, that's your choice. I'm not talking about it. Pastor, the pandemic. Oh, God, no. A thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but no plague shall come nigh my dwelling. I'm good. But Pastor, people around us are sick, and I'm praying, and God's going to do what he needs to do. y'all feel that? Because that's heavy. I'm sweating and it's not even hot. Just give me a minute. You two men right here. You come stand right beside him. Stand right beside him. Both of you. Both of you come stand next time. Just give me a second. Stand. Three. No, I need all three of you right here. And I'm going to say this out loud. I need you. Hear what I'm telling you. Three weeks I've been praying. 
this is what I'm, I'm, I'm blowing this word out for the first time. That this would be a house that shatters separation. I'm going to say this. We need you, 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 you. Why are you making it a black? I'm not making it a black thing. I'm breaking the separation. I'm breaking the divide that says we can't co-labor in this thing together. It says that we can conquer more together than we can separated. And God says this year, this will be the year that division dies. But you have to be a house that's willing to conquer the divide. Even when they tell you don't. Even when they say run from it. No, I'm running at it. I need y'all. I can't do it. I'm miserable till we break it. Until we shake free from this, nothing changes. We'll never be the church. We'll just be a group of colors in a room doing nothing until we can love our neighbor as ourselves and walk out of this house together going, I'm better together than I am apart. That doesn't just go for a color. That goes for everybody in this room. Because as much as I need them, they need us. That's what I'm committed to. That's my next right now. Uh, Mr. Michael, I don't think he's here today. I think they're out of town. But he walked in one Sunday and he told me, he said, I, you know, I walked into church looking for what I've always known. I looked for me. He said, what I walked into was a family that loved me. For me. Man, that shook me to the core. Because it wasn't my preaching, it wasn't the songs. It was the family that was one. This building cannot hold. I'm telling you this this morning because I felt it this morning in my prayer time. This building cannot hold what's about to happen. And that scares me. But it's supposed to scare me. Because I mean it's not in me. It's going to have to be in him. Am I okay with saying that to y'all this morning? I'm, I don't, I don't want to call you out. I just, I couldn't shake free from it. And I felt like if I didn't get it, I was going to explode. We cannot leave today and then wonder what next week's going to be like. We're going to walk out of today with a mandate to go into the next. With him. Fully committed, fully sold out. Ready to embrace everything he has for us. Because I believe this all in my heart. This house is going to abundantly prosper like never before. And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about everything. You're going to look back at the end of this year going, what in God's green earth happened? Had it not been for the hand of the Lord. You ready to shout yet? Because I feel, God. Are y'all sweating? Because I'm sweating. Maybe it's because I'm a little bit bigger, but maybe that's what it is. But whatever. These lights are hot too, amen. You ready? Get it, get it in your spirit. Because the moment you shout it, the enemy's going to let go. I feel that so strong. Fear, doubt, worry, depression, anxiety has got to go. Got to go. 
Gotta go. Gotta go. Gotta go. Gotta go. Your past gotta go. Gotta leave you. Gotta leave you. It's gotta go. You can't shout next and just reach back and grab forward at the same time. The woman with the issue of blood didn't reach back to her pain and reach back to the hem of his garment at the same time. She let go of one to grab a hold of the other. Blind Bartimaeus didn't grab a hold of his blindness in order to grab his healing from Jesus. He left his blindness. In fact, the Bible says he took off his cloak. He stripped off what identified him and stepped into what I Christ wanted to identify in him as whole. Abraham left himself behind. Left Lot aside so he could pursue what God promised for him. David left his dignity on the roadside so that he could worship freely before his God, before his king. On the count to three, I need you to let go and let move forward. One, two, three. Did you feel that? Did you feel that shake? I felt it. When you did it, my whole inside went, woohoo! I feel this thing. I'm going to do it again. You ready? One, two, three. One more time because I believe three is the number. I believe three is the Do you feel that? Do you, do you feel that's rising up and you're like, Ooh. you don't even care who wins the football game today. You just won. One, two, three. I close today. Watch. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, I double dog dare you to let one of the suckers let go in your house. Next! Why is he screaming? We don't know, but something happened. Why not? What if you woke up with a shout every morning rather than a complaint? What if you woke up tomorrow morning, oh, this is going to be the greatest day of my life. Why? Next. Because that means he's in my midst, in proximity, right next to me. He is the next right in my pathway. If I take a step, I'm going to walk right into it. Amen? You want one more just for the fun of it? Why not? One, two, three. Yeah.